Yes, we are back. Welcome to Dizzy Attic Nation, Psychotic Bump School's after-school program. My name is DJ Rome. Hey, as you know, we are in the midst of some incredibly loaded news cycles, ladies and gentlemen. And so, as you know, on Dizzy Attic Nation, we've been covering the latest in politics in terms of the Democratic presidential nomination. We just had a major race uh, in the, uh, let's see, this was called Super Tuesday 2. <laughs> we had the first Super Tuesday last week, as you know, and uh, we had another election last night and we had some resounding uh, clear cut winners and losers in this race. Uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the down ballots that were impacted as well, but uh, we're gonna talk mainly about the top of the ticket. And of course that refers to the two remaining contestants vying for the Democratic nomination one and all, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. And to help me have this conversation tonight, we have some incredibly uh, talented and well-spoken individuals from the respective states of Mississippi and Michigan. I'm honored to have them back. One of them has been here before, so I'll introduce them first. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome for the first time to Dizzy Attic Nation, but not the first time on with me, the good brother, Mr. Eugene Brown out of Flint, Michigan. Mr. Brown, are you there? I am here. Hey. <laughs> Welcome. How's back. everybody doing? Thank you. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Oh, it's an honor. It's an honor. Uh, you have some company tonight, believe it or not. Also out of Flint, we have the gentleman. Uh, he just casted his vote yesterday. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome from Flint, Michigan also, Arthur. Arthur, are you there? Yes, sir. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure I'm to have to you. Here. Yes, thank you so much for being here and making the time. And I had to coordinate this, Eugene and Arthur, because we have a very special guest out of Mississippi. And uh, I had to coordinate the time zones because I'm all the way out here on the West Coast, but he is here. He's in Mississippi, representing the beautiful county of Meridian, I think he just said. So ladies and gentlemen, also welcome from Mississippi, Mr. John Burton. Mr. Burton, are you there? Hi, I am here and thanks for uh, having me. And thanks to uh, Philip and Guido there in California. Absolutely. Oh, that's my man right there. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Well, welcome aboard yeah. everyone. So uh, we just had something happen. Um, let's just get right to it. Uh, Joe Biden uh, swept both Michigan as well as Mississippi. And so a lot of people felt like, of course, in terms of delegate capacity, Michigan was considered the big fish out there in uh, yesterday's Super Tuesday. However, there were some delegates available in other counties. And I think despite uh, Bernie Sanders' performance, uh, I think at least in a couple of states, I know he took Idaho and I think Washington is still being counted. Uh, he's still gonna pick up some delegates. So I don't know if it's fair to say that he's out of the race right now, but that was a resounding uh, decision made by the voters of Mich Mississippi and Michigan. So Arthur and Eugene, stand by. I wanna go first to uh, Mississippi. John, uh, what are your thoughts yeah. on the uh, what happened yesterday in your state of Mississippi and what can you tell us about the general pulse of the uh, the voters down there in Mississippi where you are, Mr. John Burton? So here in Mississippi, uh, I would say no surprise, no shock. Um, you could pretty much anticipate what happened. On the uh, Republican side, uh, nobody here even hardly knows the people that were running against Trump. So right. <laughs> he, has, he has great support as far as that goes. Yeah. And then on the Democratic side, I think if the race had been a week ago, it would be completely different than it actually was yesterday. But with with essentially everybody but uh, Biden, Sanders, uh, and uh, Gabbard dropping out, 
Gabbard doesn't just doesn't muster up any support here. Yeah. Well, the the moderates and and people who who seem to be more focused on on defeating Trump, they 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 went for Biden. Biden is also a known a known quantity here. And if you look at the voting history of Mississippi in specific, let's say South Carolina is another state that tends to do it. We tend to vote for the same people over and over again. We just we just do. When we put our senators in office, they pretty much stay in office almost for life. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's been that way for decades. It doesn't matter about party or anything else. We just keep with them there. Biden, having already been vice president, uh, he has, you know, a very well-known name. People, uh, I would say on the Democratic side here, are comfortable with him. And that cannot be said for Sanders, for instance. Sanders does get some support, I would say, typical uh, about what, and you've talked about it in your podcast last week, you know, younger voters, things like that. I would say, you know, the college age kids, things like that. Yeah, he, he gets some support there, but out and about, you just don't hear much about Sanders, uh, not compared to, to, say, Biden. Absolutely. Now, before I go to Arthur uh, look, and Eugene, uh, yeah, before I come to uh, Michigan, uh, John, you, you were giving us a brief education geographically about where you are. Where would you say Meridian County is relative to Mississippi? Yeah, yeah so it, it's the city of Meridian in, okay. in the county, Lauderdale County. We are about halfway up the state of Mississippi, north to south, but we're right on the eastern border with Alabama. So a lot of the uh, focus here is not just Mississippi, it's, it's, it's East Mississippi, West Alabama. And, and many businesses and community organizations, they market themselves that way. They try to market the, the entire area. There's several counties over in Alabama and several counties here in Mississippi uh, together. But yeah, we're, uh, we're right on the border with uh, Alabama. It's about 20 miles away. Okay, fantastic. Okay, Michigan, uh, Arthur, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, how similarly you know, based upon what John just said about what's happening in Mississippi, how much does that also resonate up there in Flint, Michigan, where you are? Uh, it, I mean, everything that he said is the same. I mean, uh, you know, the younger people uh, gravitated to Bernie Sanders and the, the seniors, the middle-aged gravitated to uh, Vice President Biden. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it from the perspective of the young people. Um, it's going to be, you know, we ask for the young people to come out and vote, but right, we, the DNC party and the, I call them the old heads. Okay. Right. Um, they, they running the young people away by rigging the DNC. Uh, party you know first to come out with these restrictions you have to get so much money from this person and have so many of these people to uh, 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 donate to your campaign so that ran out half of the people you know when it first started then when they got put out and Mike Bloomberg wanted to come in they changed the rules so that he could come in then when when the last three went out they changed the rule again so that Tulsi Gabbard couldn't be in the last debate. Now they say you gotta have uh, you gotta have uh, delegates. Mm -hmm. So many delegates. The young people are watching that and it looks as if just like when Hillary Clinton ran, when Brazil, uh, Miss Brazil 
Donna Brazil. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You got, gave her the answers to the debate questions ahead of the debate here in Flint, Michigan. Uh, they see cheating. Mm-hmm. And that runs, that's going to run the young people away from the Democratic Party. So, I mean, it's, it's like you forcing me to vote for somebody that I didn't want. Okay. So, I mean, that, that, that's what's going on here with me. Um, I mean, just watching all this play out. Right. Okay. I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm going to swing back and get, uh, if you, you guys are okay sharing who you supported, I, I think I kind of know <laughs> based on what you just said, but um, <laughs> uh, Eugene, uh, what are your thoughts on that? You're also in Flint, Michigan. Uh, what can you tell us about yeah. your thoughts last night? I, I, what what Arthur, Arthur said, I totally agree with and what the other panel members said as well. I personally, I didn't think Sanders really had a chance in, in the state of Michigan and, and Flint in particular, um, some of the things that went down during the, you know, the, the Clinton, you know, run for presidency four years ago, some of the things that transpired with that whole situation really left a, a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, um, with him, you know, not getting on the ticket and all of the stuff surrounding that. I just felt like Biden and his association with Obama gave him a, a lot more credibility and um, if I can't, I might be jumping the gun. I just wanted to um, say that I think that this was probably in my lifetime, and I, I'm, you know, I'm 53 years old in my lifetime. This happened to be the most important presidential primary I've ever experienced. Yeah, uh, it is some deep going on. Yeah, I can't put my finger on it, but yes, I yeah. Uh, you're not jumping ahead. I- I'm hoping we can talk about that because yeah. according to the local newspapers in your area, and I looked into your area too, uh, John, down in Mississippi, uh, turnout is mm-hmm. up and people do view this as a, a highly consequential election season. Mm-hmm. And no matter what side of the electorate they're on, uh, they're responding. And uh, But I-, I am sympathetic to what uh, Arthur is talking about because the-, the-, the way things have played out, Uh, previously 2016 even up till now and qualifying for the debate stages even the Donna Brazil thing uh, we could talk about that (laughs) because do you think it was that consequential I mean things like that it's just little things like that right Arthur that that kind of gives well well, first of all who's comfortable sharing who they voted for Arthur who'd you vote for I uh I I I voted for uh Bernie Sanders okay Uh, Okay. And, and yeah. the reason, and 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 yeah, go ahead. It's go ahead. not that I support uh, Bernie Sanders. I'm tired of a of the two party system anyway. You know. Um, okay. It, it, it's both of them are the same to me now. But yeah. I, I voted for Bernie Sanders because I wanted him to really win right. uh, Michigan as a protest vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted people to know that the Democratic Party know that we're not uh, we're not your puppet okay and and, and you know uh that that was my main thing and it was a protest vote i don't believe in socialized medicine mm-hmm. so uh i it, that, it wasn't that that i believed i just wanted them to lose michigan because everybody was watching it and, and let them know that you know democrats you know joe biden he didn't even go out to california I mean, Texas, and he won Texas. People just voting because 
I mean, he, he's not telling me what he stand on, what he's going to do for the black community. Black community, one that revived him from South Carolina. Nowhere has he said what he's going to do for the black community. Okay, I mean, let's talk about that. Just, yeah, let's talk about that because Eugene and John, I'm coming to you in a second because I think okay. it speaks to, uh, he, I, I think it speaks to that name recognition that John Burton was talking about. I think that carries a lot of weight. So you're for Bernie, Eugene. Who did you vote for? And then I'm going to swing down to John. I, I voted for Biden. Okay, can you briefly tell us uh, what went into that decision? Just his track record. You know his affiliation with Barack Obama. Um, and again, I really. I kind of have to go back to what Arthur said. I think that it was just a, a matter of, of, of me being an older person. You know, Sanders, um, it just he just didn't resonate with me. You know, he just didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, I'm going to hope, yeah, I hope we can uh, put our thumb down and talk about the whys and the hows and what he could have done differently. Uh, can you hold that thought for just real quick? I want to get John's uh, take. Uh, John, uh, who'd you vote for and uh, what went into that decision? Well, I voted for uh, for Trump. Uh, I don't care for Sanders' policies at all, though okay. I would say, and the same was true in the last election round in 2016, he was probably the most earnest and straightforward of all the politicians, both from last last go around and also this go around, he is he's a true believer. He believes what he says. He always has been. Has he, he doesn't he doesn't change as far as that. So he he's very direct and and yeah, you you can you can sort of trust what he says, even though if you don't agree with it, but you trust what he says as, as being what he he actually believes. But yes, I I uh, I went for Trump uh, here. Uh, I tend to follow, you know, the conservative policies, though I've lived in various countries around the world and, and like the socialized medicine that was mentioned, you know, I, I think that's coming regardless of whether we want it or not. I just, it, yeah, I think it's going to come. It's, it's more of a matter of when and how, um, you know, I think it was Arthur may have spoken about the, how consequential this election is for the Democrats this time, you know, they started with that gigantic deal. Well, you know, it was in 2016, that was the Republican side there. Absolutely. They started with that gigantic field, and they had that same, you know, brawl, cutthroat, you know, real fight to see who comes out on top. Sometimes who comes out on top isn't necessarily who you really want. So, you know, in 2016, when the primaries came through, I, I did not vote for Trump. I was not particularly opposed to him, but he wasn't the person that I thought would really be the, uh, the, the, the best leader for the country at the time. Yes, but there were so many people in. Trump had the better name recognition again, and he got the, he got the vote in Mississippi and other places and, you know, ended up becoming the party's uh, nominee. And I, you know, much like I think Joe Biden's had uh, this time. Now, him and Sanders both had the name recognition over anybody else because of Sanders' previous run. Uh, well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I said on the last show that part of uh, what's fascinating with the people that are still supporting Trump, he is running uncontested. I mean, despite everything, yeah. despite this coronavirus thing right now, I actually like Bill Weld. I said this last time, too. I actually like Bill Weld. He's a Republican, but he's, he's a mm. moderate Republican. He's somebody that he could probably appeal to both sides, actually. 
and Joe Walsh. Well, and that's the thing. I don't know that much about Bill Weld. I mean, I've yeah, heard I know him yeah, he's and all that. Appealing. It's he, really hard to take on an incumbent. <laughs> it's, it know? is. It is. And even with as unpopular as this current president is, uh, you're still right because there's a lot of factors out there that even, uh, according to Arthur, he's experiencing on the uh, the DNC side with uh, the, the transparency and the integrity of the vote and the, the, the true access that people have. And so, Eugene, I'm wondering this, because I might be more aligned with you. I actually voted for Elizabeth Warren, but I said all along that I would support whoever emerged out of the uh, the Democratic uh, primary. So that's fair. I, is, is it? Well, if that's fair, how fair is it to say that Bernie is out of the race? That's not fair right now, is it? Is, is it over? I don't think so. It's not over till it's over. I mean, anything can happen between now and whenever the primaries all over the country wrap up. I mean... It could go either way. And I'm going to support you know? either candidate. What could Bernie have done, you think? And then, Arthur, I want you to chime in on this, too, because I know you have some strong thoughts about it. Uh, is, was there anything that Bernie could have done to, uh, you know, make a more broader appeal to you as a voter, Eugene? I don't think so. I just I just don't. When he, he, you know, in any of his dialogue, it just does not, it doesn't resonate with me. I, it is, I, I get I just don't get anything from that guy. I don't. I really don't. Really don't. It's really that simple. And I, I've been trying to maybe yeah. overthink it too much because when I get right down to it, I <laughs> I love John Coltrane. Are there any jazz fans on this call right now? I oh, love absolutely. <laughs> I love Train. <laughs> I love John Coltrane. Jazz in New Orleans, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. And I love Wayne Shorter. I love uh, so many <laughs> artists. But Ornette Coleman as a, as a jazz figure, I, I just don't understand it. I won't say it's whack. I won't say it's terrible. Like, oh, okay, so we're, we, we got Michiganers on the phone. It's like, I like Jay Dilla. And I know some people who are purists don't really care. Well, a lot of people respect Eminem because he's Eminem, right? I mean, he's a fierce lyricist. But I think it's either they either rock your boat or they don't. And for me, and many people like me, I think, Eugene, uh, Bernie just didn't quite hit that spot. However, Arthur, he kind of hit that spot for you. And I, I want to ask you the same question. How fair is it to say that this race is not over and there's still time? And if that's true, what do you feel uh, Bernie's campaign can do in order to uh, reverse the tide? It's not over. Uh, uh, reversing the tide, I mean, you know, you have to, it depends on, uh, one, how many, how, you know, is it a youthful state? How many colleges they have there? Uh, he has to start talking more uh, with substance instead of uh, speaking out on just giving people stuff free. Yeah. He needs to show that uh, he's the best person to take uh, President Trump down. That's the number one thing. Can he beat President Trump in a debate? But he has to do is start speaking out on uh, Joe Biden. I don't think he's going to be able to uh, take on President Trump. President Trump, to me, he's using reverse psychology. He's, he's telling <laughs> I've you, said that before, yeah. <laughs> he's telling you that he wants Biden. I mean, yeah, he's telling you that he wants Biden. He's afraid of Biden, even though he don't want Barry Sanders because he knows Biden can't beat him in the debate. So we uh, uh, 
oh, he's afraid of Biden. So we're going to pick people going to pick Biden thinking that he's really afraid of Biden, knowing that he can beat Biden. Biden has too much baggage, just like Hillary Clinton did. And when he get him on that on that platform, Biden is showing signs of uh, dementia. Yes. Uh, I mean, he's forgetting things. And then if you watch that video where he was in uh, the face of the guy from the union, mm-hmm. he said something to the effect, and I'm not I have the gun. It was right after he told him that he was dead. And then he said something that got going back and forth, and then he called it an AR-14 instead of an AR-15. Okay. So if you go back and watch all when he get on the stage with President Trump, President Trump is seasoned now. He wasn't seasoned when he got into debate with Hillary Clinton, and, and he did her bad. And, you know, with the name calling and his way of debating, he, it's not uh, traditional debating with him. And I don't think uh, President, I mean, uh, Vice President Biden could handle him. So that's what Barry, uh, Barry Sanders, uh, Sanders, uh-huh. Bernie Sanders needs to start, um, you know, fighting with is the fact that Vice President Joe Biden cannot, you know, meet with with uh, President Trump on the stage. Oh wow, uh, Eugene and John, what do you think of that? You, uh, John, well, I I agree completely with and that mm-hmm. it's not over yet. But okay. if Sanders doesn't do something, it will be. And just like uh, Arthur said, uh, I think Sanders will demolish Biden in a debate. So the Democratic Party, you know, whatever you want to call it, the higher ups, uh, you know, they're talking about not having any more debate, things like that. Sanders needs to push for every debate he can possibly push for because uh, Biden is showing signs of dementia, not in in control of of all of the elements. It just happens as people get older and it happens to different people at different times. And I think I think Sanders has the possibility uh, of demolishing Biden in a debate to a degree enough to get more people to vote for him where he could potentially get the nomination. But will the Democratic Party let that happen? I don't think so. I think they'll support Biden. Uh, well, I, I don't see the, the level of uh, disparity in their uh, mental capacity the way you guys do. I don't think Biden's that far off. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about when it comes to the stumbles. But remember, Bernie Sanders is older than Biden, I believe. Uh, Eugene, what are you he, Yes, Sanders is quite old. Trump is no, you know, spring chicken. Oh, yeah. But it affects different <laughs> people at different, at different ages. I, I had a good friend of mine here in Mississippi that she died actually with dementia in her 50s. So it ha- hits different people at different ages. Different times. You know, it just does. That's true. Eugene, what are your thoughts? Forgive me, you guys. I was actually in the middle of another situation. But no, listening to what I what I did here, um, I think that a, a debate will probably do more of a, be more of a hindrance to Biden. I have to give Sanders his props. He's a great orator. Yeah. And um, Biden does come up a little short in that. But you know what? It's, it's possible to say that that shortcoming may be a, a great asset to him. You know, in society, a lot of times people root for the underdog. And let's face it, you know, Trump doesn't have the uh, the best reputation, if you will, uh, in, in dealing with people. And that has to say anything good or bad or indifferent. But um 
if it came down to a debate, you know, perhaps the fact that, you know, Biden has not one of his strong points may garner a little bit of sympathy for him. You know, who knows? Wow. Hey, man. Yeah. I think this old lady coming down the street.
this is Dizzy Attic Nation, Psychotic Bump School's after school program. My name is DJ Rome, and we're joined by voters from uh, two states that completed in, uh, or competed that is, in Super Tuesday part two. Uh, we have Arthur out of Flint, Michigan, Eugene out of Flint, Michigan, and John from Mississippi. So uh, I'm not gonna pass up this opportunity. I have a Bernie supporter and a Trump supporter. So John, did I hear you, did I hear you correctly? Last time in 2016, you, you voted in the primary for Trump, but you did for not- Marco, I voted for Marco Rubio. Okay, and in the general, you just didn't vote? Is that what I heard? No, 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 I, I voted for Trump. Okay. Oh, and, yes. I thought I heard him say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So going forward. But at, um, but at this point, you know, we're running primaries right now. And at this point, you know, the Republicans in the 2016 cycle were basically where the Democrats have been lately in the 2020 cycle with, with these large fields. Yeah. And you have a few people with name recognition that the, everybody else doesn't have, regardless of what their platforms are. And, you know, not always does the one you want bubble to the top. Sometimes it's just who's got the biggest name. Okay, well, Trump has yeah. name value. He's got 90 plus percent approval rating amongst conservatives and Republicans. So the likelihood of you voting for him this time in the general, how high is that? Oh, uh, you know, unless something drastic were to change, which it could. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's, it's completely likely, but that doesn't mean something couldn't change. So what would it have uh, to be? You know, I mean, given what he's done, I mean, we, we're, we're heading well, now see, that's into the a thing. bear market. Wait, given, we're, heading given what he's done. Bear, we're heading into yep. a bear market. Um, we have the coronavirus yep. response and people are going to have, you know, what they want to say about that. I mean, the response and the rollout has left a lot to be desired to just put it gently. And he has not deferred uh, appropriately, in my view, uh, to the people that are best qualified to speak to this issue. Mike Pence, however, has done much better, but what would it take, in your opinion, for you to reconsider that current position on who you'd vote for? Well, um, if he does something, and, and some people will argue, but does think that that clearly uh, violate the laws or, you know, that, that are out there, then that would be something to to reconsider because nobody here in the, in the U.S. wants a dictator. Of course, I felt the same way under the previous president, and you know, I thought I just felt he was a lawless president. A lot of people feel that way about really. Trump, Obama was a lawless president in what way? Absolutely, absolutely. Way? I, I I just well, see that's the thing, and so we can we can disagree with that. There's a lot of people that feel that Trump is a lawless president. He just is abusing the Constitution. I'm like, well, where were you six years ago, eight years ago, et cetera, when others were raising the same point about somebody they supported? I don't see that. And I would say that's probably true uh, of, of many of the, the conservatives. They don't see that, that the, the point of Trump being brought up as, as a law was president. They don't, they don't agree with that at all. Um, so, but that doesn't mean he can't be one. You know, if, if whatever his uh, daughter was thrown in prison and he pardons her or whatnot, you know that's you know downright nepotism. That's that's just not going to be forgiven. People are going to throw him out of office because that's not who we are. Which would be say something similar to when Richard Nixon was in office. You know this was not a, a there was no democratic plot to get Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon broke the laws and and Democrat and Republican together they were going to get rid of him until he resigned. I mean that's just the way it was and it would happen again. Um, 
I, so, I would just be interested. I mean, I, I do hear you that uh, people are. You're right. When people are sort of circling their own wagons, it's hard for them for them to see the the, the fallacies on their own side, right? Or the shortcomings. And we we have a a, a bias of a blind spot. Uh, I'm open, however, since you're here on the line, you know, and I, I want to hear from uh, especially Arthur on this, given that he's he's, he's supporting Bernie, and we lost a lot of supporters. We meaning. Uh, the Democratic side. Now, full disclosure, I said it before, I say it again. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm not an independent. I just call myself a regular man, African American. I don't support either party. However, I did have to switch my party affiliation just so I could participate in this current election. But generally speaking, I'm an independent. So I don't have a dog in the race either way, except in the interests of moving this country forward with the person that I think would be best qualified to do so. I do not feel that the current guy is qualified to do so, given what he's shown us these last few years. And then I have plenty of examples that I could point to. However, uh, since you're here, John, well, let me hold that thought because I, I know you have some, you know, really uh, specific concerns about the previous administration prior to this one, and you probably would have some legitimate points. But Arthur, we, the, the Democrats, even though Hillary was granted <laughs> the nomination last year and there were some questionable dealings as to how that actually occurred. So a lot of Bernie supporters last time went over to 45. So in the interest of uniting on the Democratic side, if either nominee emerges, because we, we all agree this isn't over yet, uh, what are the chances that Bernie supporters will support Biden? So let me say this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I do not support that. Like I said at the beginning, I don't even like the two-party system. Okay. And being a veteran rights advocate, I have to, you know, work with both parties because one party can be a majority every two years, you know. So yeah. uh, I really can't, uh, you know, I really don't care about the parties as the individuals. I, right. I identify by party. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, this party affiliation to me is nothing but a game. It's okay. like Crips and Blood, you know. Okay. They have they pit us against one another and have us arguing with one another. That's right. So that they can steal and do inside trading and everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't see what's going on. Uh, I just like I said, I voted for Bernie because it was a protest vote. Okay. I don't. I I mean, none of them, not any of them have done anything for the, especially black community being that they need 90% of the black community vote. Yes. So Democrat to me is just as bad as uh, the Republicans. So it's a two party system that just keeps on keeping you fighting each other so that they can get your vote. So really uh, I just do it just, uh, I just say things or vote in a protest vote. Um, I get as you. Far as, as far as, I mean, uh, you know, they had to uh, find uh, Eric Holder in contempt with uh, Fast and Furious. They did. Uh, President Trump, uh, he didn't violate the Constitution, I don't know how many times, because he wouldn't even allow any of the witnesses or, or uh, Secretary of State Apeo or any of the other ones to come mm -hmm. testify during the impeachment hearing. You right. know, I don't care if he did anything wrong or if he did anything right. It's still 
you know, you still send the people there to testify, period. Okay. And, and I mean, both both parties do the same thing. I tell them, President Obama, you know, the 19, what is 1965 Civil Rights Act. He had the count, uh, Congress, Senate, and White House. Why didn't they pass that law to where they put the Civil Rights Bill in, in law instead of uh, uh, having to sign it every 25 years? They could have voted that in, but they didn't. So they Wait, just keep what, on what opportunity? Uh, what opportunity are you talking about when- he, uh, he's, he's talking about when the first two years of Obama administration when the Democrats yeah. also had control of the Senate and the House, right? So if you was really, if you was really trying to do things for the community, especially the black community, why didn't you vote? Why didn't y'all vote and make that law instead of every twenty-five years, you have to, uh, the president has to sign it to put it in, you know, to give us the right to vote. I think um, there was you. You raise an interesting point, and John, thank you for pointing that out even further. That what. I remember that time period when he had the House, the Senate, and the White House, right? But right. I think there was something. He had he had a majority, but he didn't have control. Because I think what was at issue was Ted Kennedy's health, and then I think a woman named Martha Corker was running, and it was a shoe-in that they thought that she was going to take over after Ted Kennedy passed away. And so they were in the process of passing a lot of legislation, and then that vote was, I believe, you know, Ted Kennedy from Massachusetts is a bit of a holdout. And so when she didn't even fight for the seat and a guy named Scott Brown just rolls up out of nowhere out of a brown pickup truck and, and wins, now all of a sudden they don't have that clear-cut um, majority anymore. I think they had a majority but not control, if I can recall correctly. I know what you mean, though. I think that's right. But, but well, they, our, they did have enough to pass, for instance, like the Affordable Care Act, which with the vice president's vote, the vice president, you know, he gets the vote in tiebreaker. I, I think it was 50 to 50, and then you add in Biden, and that makes 51. But yeah, I, don't think any, I don't think any Republican would have voted against making the civil rights law, uh, the civil rights law, the law of the land. They never even tried it. They spent two years fighting on an affordable care act. That's, mm-hmm. that's, they spent two years doing that. Yeah. So my, my point is, if the Democrats was really for the African-American community, they would come with an agenda on what they plan on doing for us. But they don't. They okay, just you come every four years. They okay. come every four years. And if I, if I, I like to interject on that point, too, because he, he is bringing it. I'm, I'm more or less observing this as a listener. <laughs> Isn't it? I make it some very too. great points. I, I'm, y'all exactly. on point. I'm glad but I'm I, I do want to piggybacking on what Arthur said is so true because I even explained this to my daughter. Um, we talk about Democrats and we talk about Republicans and black community, but people tend to forget that prior to the Kennedy assassination, the majority of black communities were Republican. Um, And yeah, that only changed after Kennedy assisted Dr. King in getting out of the, uh, out of jail um, back in 1960. And that, you know, was, you know, for one of, one of the main reasons he got the black vote. 
Um, and I just kind of wonder if there's some residual um, hostility towards the black community, maybe, uh, as a result of that, um, that they just may feel like, hey, they just supported us because of this situation. And they ne- maybe they never really had a clear agenda in dealing with the black community because historically black people were not Democrat. They were Republicans. Staunch. Yeah. And uh, then the, the Southern Dixiecrats, I think, uh, became the Republican Party. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to hone in on this. So, Arthur and John, I'm coming to you in just a second. Arthur, if Biden yeah. emerges, what are the chances that Sanders and his supporters will support Biden? Uh, I, I believe the young people are not going to support him. I believe that the young people is not going to come out and vote. And, you know, you were saying that Biden people switched over to Trump. I don't think Biden's people ever switched over to Trump. What no, I, I don't think felt, I said that. What, what, what I felt No, was, I, I think Bernie's people did. If I said Biden, that was, I misspoke. No, I, I mean, Bernie. no, no, that's my, that's my fault. You did say Bernie. Okay. I keep saying Biden instead of Bernie. Okay. What happened, what happened, I believe that the Republicans voted for Bernie here in Michigan because they hated Hillary Clinton so much because 48,000 people voted for Bernie in 2016 and then they went over and voted for Trump in 2016. I believe the Republicans came out and voted for uh, for Bernie Sanders instead of Hillary Clinton and never had any intentions on voting for Bernie. They just wanted to mess up the primary. Absolutely. And I'm wondering <laughs> if that's why Tulsi Gabbard is hanging on somehow, because she will not drop out of the race. So, John, uh, given what Arthur and Eugene just said, you know, and I'm, I'm here to learn because I have some strong feelings about this guy in office right now. I don't think he's the right fit for this, this country right now. And I think the, the electorate needs to make a very, very um, strategic decision about when they go into that voting booth. And I'm not saying that they're not going to do that already, but these are some very, very serious times. So given what Arthur just said, um, I'm wondering, (laughs) a lot of supporters from the Bernie camp did come over and support Trump going into the election. So given that your your, your vote is not um, sort of, it's not settled law just yet, uh, what could the Biden camp do, for example? I mean, I know we're talking uh, miles of uh, ideology that, that separate them, but is there anything that the Biden or Bernie camp could do that would possibly uh, convince your vote? So from the Bernie camp, uh, no, uh, simply from the point of view of, you know, his, his uh, policies that, that he promotes, you know, they're very well known. I say no, if, you know, again, I'm not anti-Trump, I'm not particularly pro-Trump either. If, if the, whoever the, the candidate was on the Republican side was abhorrent, which I felt the same about Hillary Clinton last time, you know, if they were absolutely abhorrent, I can, would have considered last time voting for Sanders. I was never going to vote for Clinton. And it's not because that I support Sanders' policies per se, but more because I can respect who he is. Um, but from a, you know, a policy side of things, you know, Sanders policies are so far out there. I just don't think they're, I just don't think America is going to become a socialist, uh, uh, paradise like he might wish. 
Well, yeah. Can I jump in? Because we have uh, Arthur. What are your thoughts on that? Policies being way out there. Socialists. I mean, it's taken as a pejorative. Uh, how far out there are Bernie Sanders' views in your, from your standpoint? <laughs> they, they are. I'm more of a moderate person. And right now we have either you're far right or you're far left. There's no in between anymore. There's no let's compromise. Let's, you know, uh, I don't believe in abortion, but at the same time, I don't believe a person can tell another person what to do with their body. You know, that's just one example. But, you know, far left believes that, you know, there's no compromising in that. My compromise would be uh, 20, after 20 weeks, I cannot have an abortion unless it's, you know, uh, an emergency. But, right. you know, that's, that's, that's far left don't believe you can, you know, they can do it all the way up until they nine months almost. You know, uh, far right believes that they shouldn't do it at all. So you can't legislate morals. So I, I can't, I, and like I say, you know, I, I deal with socialized medicine. Okay. I deal with that. And, and, and you know, I go to the VA and they put people, uh, they put, you know, people on a list and you got to wait 30 to 90 days and then I need knee surgery. So if somebody, it depends on the severity of your pain or if you have gallbladder or, uh, you know, gallstones, you can't have it unless you bent all the way over, crawling on the floor in pain. That's socialized medicine. I, I mean, I don't believe in that. So, I mean, that's one of the main things that, that people's looking at is that just saying socialist, uh, that scares a lot of voters away. Is that, how much more scary is that compared to someone whose policies have uh, done so much damage to block people from other countries, to put children in cages. I mean, is here's, that more threatening or dangerous than, than all but, of that? But we have to be honest. And, and, and anybody that knows me here in Flint, I've been fighting the water crisis. i on the streets fighting the elected officials. Anybody that knows me, I, you know, I say the real. And, and here's the truth. President Obama had people and these same cages, they call them, when, when he was in office. Yes. Both parties turns around and uh, make big issues out of the same issues. And we sit back and we tend to look at it. I mean, if you, if you really look at it, especially, you know, African-Americans, you ask yourself, what policies has President Trump put in place that has been racist towards us? I mean, we can honestly say, well, he did the HBCU uh, schools. He gave money back to them. He did empowerment zones. He came here in Flint and gave $30 million for housing. I mean, we can honestly go back and forth, and I can honestly say he did a lot, you know, more than what Biden has done. But, I'm, I mean, all of them do the same thing, and they have us fighting against one another. You make a good point. You make a good point. And... I don't believe, however, that the Obama administration, they did have cages during his administration. They did. But I don't think they were separating children from their parents. And I think that's a step too far. It doesn't excuse the former in favor of the latter, but they weren't separating babies. And 
However, Eugene, I think you and I might be more in the middle. Now, in, in respect to John and Arthur, because mm -hmm. you, said, you know, there's the far left and far right. So where does that leave you? Because John, a minute ago, you almost said, I don't know if you said something similar to what Arthur said. John said he he's not a supporter, but it's, it's like a no man's land on, on both sides, it feels like. And so I see a political remedy on the left, if you will. And that would have been libertarian or green, because again, I keep going back to Bill Well, the Republican who's challenging Trump right now. <laughs> he ran on the libertarian ticket under Gary Johnson in 2016. And Gary Johnson was not the guy, you know, um, that uh, Bill Weld is. Bill Weld is actually a competent uh, congressman. And I know some people may not agree with that, but, and I know he doesn't have a shot, John. I know that, <laughs> but he, he's sort of a, a, a median that can possibly galvanize uh, people uh, if people would only take a, a larger look at him. So I guess my question is, what is the political remedy for Arthur and John and for people like Eugene and I who might be sort of looking at this and trying to understand both sides because it seems like, you know, the anti-establishment uh, parties are seeking similar objectives compared to the guys that are somewhat in the middle. Uh, I don't know if I'm in the ballpark with that, but John, can you chime in on that? Well, uh, I would say, I think it was Arthur that mentioned two things. That the middle has, has to some degree disappeared because the, the far right and the far left have have to some degree wrenched control of the message of both of their parties. Uh, I also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of getting rid of quote two party system. Uh, of course that's not enshrined in law. It just takes people to do it. Uh, I've lived in seven different countries around the world, several in Europe, which, you know, in general, they are, are quite a bit more uh, social, have more social policies than, than we do. Yes, but they've also scaled some of those back uh, over time. Their their systems, of course, are mostly parliamentary systems. So they use Correct. different things and they don't have two parties that, that necessarily dominate. Now, sometimes they do. You know, Germany had one party that just dominated for decades and nobody else could, could get could get it, you know, in edgewise. Yes, but uh, a lot of those, you know, you're able to build coalitions of smart, a smaller party. What's happened in the U.S. is the two big parties to maintain their dominance have essentially absorbed all these other ones. So, you know, on the Republican side there, you, you have fiscal conservatives, which is nothing uh, like moral or social conservatives. Yeah, but they're all, quote, you know, glommed together in that, you know, on the. On the Democratic side, you have similar kinds of things. You have, you know, he was talking about abortion. Well, you have people that are only Democrat because of the abortion issue or only Democrat because of uh, teachers and, and unions and things like that or only Democrat because of health care concerns or whatnot. You know, in other areas, they're, they're, they would be much more conservative. Like, yeah, but we don't, we, don't have, we don't have parties that are, you know, divided up more. They're just amalgamated. The Democrats have lots of different things under the umbrella. It's funny. Uh, here in Mississippi, you know, the conservation groups are made of conservatives. You know, the words are actually the same, conservation, conserve. Yes, but in the rest of the country, the uh, conservation groups are made of, of people that identify as liberals. Uh, and, and that's just the way it is. 
and we stand out when we go to a convention. But but everybody here is is quote conservative. They're concerned with conserving the environment. Yeah, well, there's no there's no party that can compensate everybody who's concerned about the environment. No, most go to the Democrats, but not all, because that's just where those people with that's the biggest issue. You know, climate change thing. They tend to vote on the uh, Democrats. I, I think the country would be better off having many more smaller parties that could group together as needed. But then again, uh, you know, we're not a parliamentary system where that tends to be more prevalent. Yeah. Arthur, what do you think of that? <laughs> that's, that's, that's totally true. I mean, yeah. the, the main thing there is, is if we can, uh, if we can, if we can somehow, some way, get other parties started, and that's why I said what I said earlier about my protest vote, showing the Democrats that you know you can't be taking our votes for granted, that's and right. that's why Biden I don't think will win because for some strange reason, you know the Democrats are always yelling we got to come in and sing kumbaya songs and hold hands. And the Republicans come in and they basically stick their middle finger up at you and do what it is that they want to do. Right. Why is it that the Democrats always wanting to say we need to reach across the aisle during primaries and general elections, but you never hear the Republicans saying we want to reach against across the aisle and get Democrats. That that's why the young people. That's why the young people love Bernie Sanders. Because Barry Sanders seemed like he would go in there and do what it is that he's going to do. And, and that's why they like him. And Bernie Sanders, I mean, Biden, he's not doing that. And they, they want to see somebody that's fighting. For some strange reason, the youth today wants to see a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. And they think that Bernie is that fighter, correct? Correct. Mm, fascinating. Time with villains trying to make a million feeling some type of way. You feeling some type of way? Yeah, it seems like that feeling is here to stay. Temptations, no, not the group. Pop out the coop, sort of like 93 Snoop DeVille. Hey. Coronary fortress influenced by the Porsches. Panoramic views, none seen from the porches. Of course, it's a challenge. The good with the bad, all we ask is balance. The phallus tied with the proudest. My, my ego obstructs, my, my views become the wildest. Seeming like they palin' The world on my shoulders ain't trying to turn in one of those guys Emotional struggle, feel like my soul has been clotheslined Developing a better life routine Mirrors my upbringing, a lot of fight in me Just another dark girl dilemma Been cinnamon complected ever since I could remember as a kid Dealing with a real serious disdain for myself And ain't afraid to take a fate or earn stripes like a rep And what else? Gotta live by a die by a doctrine Genuine folks, man, you don't run into them often Have friends and relatives up in the coffin I was at arms with when they died when I'm alive, so you know I gotta Fight on, fight on With my head held high Let the breath speak life And shine yeah. 
fakes inside of my soul is right. No matter who the tribe we fight, we down to ride. Can't let the world decide my life, my pride. Even when it's dark, can't dim my light inside. I got a sibling stuck in the system, another victim, he sits in prison, awaiting his redemption. Meanwhile, I've been grinding with the hopes that the world will listen up. How does it feel to be ill when you ain't sick enough? Get over the hump is what they tell you, selling you dreams of driving beamers, but I'm compelled to tell you the truth and pray mistakes will only help you out. You gotta know self. Don't let them wear you down. It's like I got a crown on me. Try to remember what my mentor had told me. Digging more of the woman I'm growing into slowly. I do it for the fam love. My God, my homies. It's enticing. Got me feeling like Tyson. Cause what I'm writing is inviting all the answers. That's trifling. I gotta stop. Except I'm feeling on top. I got the city on lock. And now I carry a Glock. And now I'm fighting a case that put me in my place. You can see the humble sitting all up in my face. Stuck a punch by the grace that's given. Covered in the blood. Stumbling. But never giving up. I'ma fight. Fight on. Fight till it's over. Fight until I no longer care about the rover. I'm a soldier that only get better when I'm older. The colder the game get, the stronger his name gets. I forever see the light. I forever gon' fight. Fight, yeah. Uh, I forever see the light. I forever gon' fight, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's fight. Come on. Fight on, Ride. fight on. With my head held high. Yeah. Let the breath speak a life and Stakes inside, my soul is right. No matter who the tribe we fight, we down the ride. Can't let the world decide my life, my pride. Even when it's dark, can't dim my light inside. Yeah, GP, fight, fight on, yeah. Anissa Strings, fight, fight on, yeah. Imano Mari, fight, fight on, uh. Il Camille, fight, fight on, yeah. Everybody in Africa, fight, fight on. Everybody in America, fight, fight on. If you love NPR, fight, fight on. Everybody in DC, Fight, fight on, yeah. Even when the stakes inside, my soul is right. No matter who the tribe, we fight, we down the ride. Can't let the world decide my life, my pride. Even when it's dark, can't dim my light inside. Shine. Last song, y'all. Let's get it. Yeah, I know that we only recently came down from the tree. 
we go. Have to see how this plays out. We're uh, going to another Super Tuesday in a few days. Uh, I think uh, Eugene had to run, but we're going to another Super Tuesday. I think Illinois is going to be on the ticket, Ohio and Florida among them. And that is another big and super delegate rich uh, primary that is going to have some very, very impactful consequences. So we'll have to wait and see, but I sure do appreciate. Uh, it's been a privilege listening to both of you. Uh, you both have so much insight and uh, I learned something, you know, as being someone who is uh, honestly, transparently a, a lifelong Democrat, but you know, in recent years, specifically Arthur, because of what you just said, uh, the notion of kumbaya and uh, the reaching across the aisle, uh, I think that is virtuous. I think that's something that both sides should do, but rarely do uh, from the from from the right side. And there might be a lot of uh, political rationale as as to why that stopped occurring to the same degree. But uh, some feel that uh, with the election of President Forty Four, I mean Barack Obama, is a lot of that bipartisanship uh, was 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 trampled upon. And some see that 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 was you know, going to likely continue had Hillary Clinton uh, gone forward and they didn't really see very much past the potential gridlock in that scenario as well. So I don't know what the solution was. My solution was, is like, I better stay out of the fray to a certain degree, but I love having these conversations and this is an extremely rare and privileged opportunity to talk to you both from two disparate camps. And uh, I wanna thank Eugene as well. Uh, any final thoughts from either of you? about uh, now that we've casted these votes and uh, the election moves on out of your particular regions, uh, your optimism for the state of the country in lieu of everything that we're dealing with, not just this election, but coronavirus, everything, our leadership. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of optimism going forward as we proceed forward to November 2020? Let's hear first from John and then let's swing over to Arthur. Well, um, as you know, uh, aside from the coronavirus, I would say fairly optimistic. Things have been have been going relatively well. Uh, I think over the over the last, if you want to say, few years or twelve years or whatnot, uh, they they've been going going somewhat well. We we in Mississippi are still suffering from a down economy. We just we have never recovered from the recession of whatever it was eleven years ago or or, or whatnot. But generally optimistic. Now the coronavirus, that is putting a huge cramp. I, I run two retail businesses, and when people get scared, they stop shopping except for essentials, and and the goods that I sell are more luxury type items, mm -hmm. and so that that is having a huge impact. And and if the virus continues to spread, it will have a tremendous impact on the economy and everything else, even just on the social fabric where sports church events, things like that, community events are just, they're canceled and they're not had. And, and I don't think that will be good for the country as a whole, but hopefully the coronavirus will follow the pattern of, of general flu viruses and the, and the same and, and blow itself out next month sometime. But uh, other than the coronavirus stuff, very positive. Coronavirus is certainly a, a big worry right now. Sure is. Um, I'll keep you in prayer, man, because uh, if you're a if you're self-employed and you're responsible for the lives of other people, that has to be a huge burden on your shoulders to have. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I pray that works out for you, man. Um, real time. Uh, Arthur, your thoughts on optimism going forward, quality of our leadership, coronavirus. Arthur, where do you stand? 
tucked in with the same way. Nothing's going to get done. We're still fighting for clean water here in Flint. I missed that for five years. But I, I, I you know, I just want to yield my time to John. I have a question because I haven't spoken to anyone from Mississippi uh, before. Yes, go ahead. And, and, and my question is, Mississippi being a red state and President Trump cutting Social Security, cutting uh, welfare, because Mississippi has a high percentage of people on welfare. He's I think the highest. That. Right. He's cutting that. And they pay the lowest in government taxes. They pay the lowest, lowest in government taxes, but they receive the highest from the government. That's correct. How is, it, how is it that all these things that they fight against and they need, um, I, 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 I guess I really want to know, how is it that they can vote for a party that is cutting everything that they need, but they keep on voting for that person to be in office? I, I, I just wanted to know and I just wanted to ask somebody from Mississippi sure. because I've never asked anyone. Right. Uh, okay. I mean, and I can only speak for myself. And, and, you know, like I said, I've lived all over the world. So my viewpoints are a little bit different than maybe somebody who's never left the county, which there's plenty of people who live here that have never left their county. Um, you know, there are, there are more things uh, to evaluate. And I would say that's true in every election. It's not it's not just party, although you might look at that. It's not just policy or just somebody's attitude or the way they speak or their knowledge on a certain subject or, or whatnot. There's a lot of different things to to con- take into account or to con- consider. And that would be what I'd say. I, there is a super, super strong independent streak in, I would say, rural America. So not just Mississippi, but, you know, the big flyover country, as they call it. There's, they're just, they're much more independent people because they live much more independent lives than, say, city people. You know, in the city, you are having to deal with other people all the time, every day. There are going to be plenty of places in the country, in the middle, where they don't necessarily talk to anybody during the day because they don't, they don't necessarily need to. You know, farmers and things like that. They, they are much more independent. They're used to doing things for themselves, and they don't necessarily want somebody else doing it for them. It's not that they won't necessarily accept it, uh, but they don't necessarily want it. So I would say to some degree, uh, or to that, that would explain it. Yeah, we're the, we're the biggest recipient here in Mississippi of government stuff. If they passed some other government handout program, we are not dumb. We are going to take advantage of that to the last penny if we can. But that so doesn't mean they want it in the first place. <laughs> so why, I mean, but why wouldn't they, everything that they're accepting, why wouldn't they vote for Bernie Sanders? Because he's the one that's giving them the stuff that they need. Right. Well, they, they would, they, I would say in general that, that, again, this is just my opinion, that they would prefer not to have the government doing those things in general, many of them. Uh, and I won't get specific about particular programs or whatnot. Yeah. He would prefer less programs and things like that. But once that program gets put in place, it's there, and we're going <laughs> to use it to the maximum ability that we can. Uh, I think that's any demographic, though. This is Eugene back. I'm sorry. <laughs> Welcome yeah. back, Eugene. Yes. <laughs> you know, and and that's part of it. Mississippi is very poor, and we just we are and. And we're not, that's not changing right now. 
Uh, it didn't, it, it, it's just been that way for decades after decades. And, and I doubt it will change anytime soon, but you know, with the right leadership, perhaps it will. Yeah. Well, Arthur, that, that's a good point, John. Arthur, I, I wanted to take a stab that that's a very good question about people voting against their own interests. Is, is that a fair way to capture your question? In a that's, that's, yes, that's, that's the best uh, way. I mean, that's, that's the best way to sum it up. Yeah. That's, okay. that's the question. Okay. So, and, that, and I hope I answered that. It's, it's no, because there are competing interests, and some interests outweigh others at times. Well, it's not all about the money. It's not all about the money. So when it comes to interests, sometimes, you know, because Arthur said some of Bernie's policies are actually more aligned to that specific need that they have in, in those red states, and mm -hmm. it would meet that need. However, uh, the reason why Bernie doesn't resonate, I think, a little bit more is that anti, you know, that whole quote unquote anti-establishment um, uh, platform is sort of Republican light. Now this is just me speaking <laughs> as an mm -hmm. offstanding uh, voter myself. I mean, it's, Republic, it's Republican light. So anytime someone has a choice on a ballot between a, a true dyed in the wool Republican and a Republican light, guess who they're gonna go with? They're gonna go with the Republican. And so it baffled us, you know, out here on the West Coast, you know, I'm all the way out here on the West Coast, y'all. So it baffled right. us. How was it even a contest? And I think it was Alabama between Doug Jones and, and, and the, hit the guy he was running against, who was a Roy Moore. Thank Roy you. Moore. So see, there, there, you, there's one right there where you have competing interests. Anytime there's an R behind their name, that tends to be the one that they go for, right? Go ahead, John. That, that is true. And, and Alabama, the Alabama election is a very, a very good thing. Uh, as far as uh, our good point there. So Roy Moore lost to Doug Jones, who's a Democrat, in a very red area. Right. That's why, because different interests. So it didn't matter at that point what Roy Moore supported and his background and you know how well-suited he was, how much experience, et cetera. Uh, the fact that he uh, might have been a, uh, a child molester or whatever it was uh, with uh, some girl that was 17 or something, that influence enough people say okay this guy is not somebody we want leading us uh, in this district and so they went for doug jones but he got a lot of votes though john he got a lot of vote that wasn't a clear he did slam dunk of an yes. election win for doug jones roy moore was competitive absolutely just because somebody says he did something 30 years ago or 40 years ago whatever it was doesn't mean he actually did uh, but it was doing. enough of a blemish or gave enough question in enough voters minds that said, okay, we're not going to support him. And so they either didn't vote or they voted for Doug Jones. It was more than you um, say, though, John. It, it, it was another, he was ordered by a judge not to. I mean, he had a lot of legal ramifications around that. It wasn't just hearsay. I mean, he had been found guilty, and so I don't like that. recall that being the case. I, yeah, I, 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 I think it could be. I think, Hi, my name. Go ahead. My, uh, I think there's a lot more to it also. Uh, we, we're, we're not saying the other part of it. Okay. And we have to say the other part. It's race also. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, the Roy Jones, and I mean, Doug Jones and, and, and uh, what's the name? Roy, uh, Roy, Moore. Roy Moore. Roy Moore. It was a referendum on President Trump. And people came out in the, you know, vote to vote against Roy, uh, Roy Moore, uh, President Trump had endorsed him, and it was a referendum on uh, President Trump. 
so, you know, a lot of people got put in office then because, you know, you got Republicans that won up here, I mean, Democrats that won in the Republican stronghold here in, in, in Michigan. So it was just that people really came out and voted. But going back to down south, it, it, you know, people will vote against their interests just because it has a racial undertone. It has, uh, you know, different things. And that's how the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, they use the race card, the nuclear, I call it the nuclear option, when what they're saying isn't good and it's not resonating with the people, they start talking about black and white issues. You make an interesting and, point. Yeah, can I can I jump in on that, Arthur? Because that's very interesting. Because I don't know if you recall, I work in education. I don't know if I made that clear at the beginning of this call. I'm a psychologist and I work in uh, schools. And the reason, only reason why I'm able to do this right now is because my school is the only school district in California that's shut down <laughs> right now. But um, do you remember maybe a year or two ago into this administration that a lot of teachers were going on strike across the country? I think in Oklahoma. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Chicago had a big one. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so people were asking people in Oklahoma because uh, they were very upset, Arthur, with their, uh, you know, their representative. So they were confronting him. And then when people went and <laughs> they, they questioned those people, it's like, well, who did you vote for? Uh, they voted for him. And they knew what his policies were. They knew what his positions were on, on education. And he, they knew that he was all about uh, not funding uh, educational programs to, to the extent that teachers would need them to, to the point where a lot of mm -hmm. teachers were getting second and third jobs and uh, going into significant poverty in order to maintain their classrooms. You know, and being somebody that works in education, I could tell you for sure, and you guys all know just you know, from being on this earth long enough, like teachers, they finance their own um, lesson plans, their own supplies, they do a lot. The district only does so much. So absolutely. I actually, if I could, if I could jump in and, and, and piggyback on that, I actually, um, I, you know, I grew up in in Flint, but I went to Beecher High School, and we were one of the first schools in the state of Michigan um, where the students had to furnish their own supplies. This started when I was in high school. Uh, we had to buy our own paper, mm -hmm. our own pencils, you know, all of the necessities that we needed. Um, we were one of the first, and that goes right there, flies right in the face of what you were saying about about the cuts and, 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 and the policy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, this has been going on for a long time. And so, and that's where it draws the criticism. I, I was wrapping up this call, y'all, but y'all done made it interesting since Arthur asked <laughs> that question. That was a great question, Arthur, and I forgot to do this. This is Dizzy Attic Nation, y'all, Psychotic Bump Schools After School Program. <laughs> <laughs> We're joined by John out of Mississippi and out of Flint, Michigan. We have both Eugene and Arthur. And we're just no, no, you, you got to do me a favor, though, man. Yeah. You got to put Arthur's name first. This dude is on point. Oh. <laughs> we'll put him before my. I've sat here. I've learned a lot. I'm like, yo, oh, <laughs> all of the commentators on here, y'all have done an awesome job. Well, you're awesome, too, Eugene. But uh, you're right about Arthur and John, because I had a notion of uh, full transparency. Again, I'm probably telling more information than you know, audience needs to know. But I had a thought. John, to ask you who you who you were supporting, 
I had a thought, Arthur and Eugene, to ask you who you supported, but I kind of wanted that element of surprise going into the call. I didn't know who you guys supported before we started this call. So I didn't mm -hmm. know what was going to happen. I didn't know where it was going to go. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because we've had a chance to have a very uh, honest, uh, spontaneous yeah. conversation. And I think it's been uh, somewhat beneficial to all involved. So I want to thank you. But but yeah. If I could, I wanted to commend, you know, John and then Arthur, too, because one of the things I've learned, I've never been in a setting like this. Right. And, you know, John is obviously a Republican. Uh, uh, Arthur's a Democrat or what have you. But it seems those are just more titles. We all have the same concerns, yes. the same feelings, you know, the same wants, desires. Um, and I'm glad that you allowed us, you know, the opportunity to to participate and it didn't get, you know, it didn't get heated. That's right. You right. know, right. I commend all of you for that. that, that, this is what I'm talking about. This is what's up. I would, I would say thank you to you guys as well. But also I think this brings and makes the point that we're really not so far apart and That's right. that in certain people's interests, you know, members of the media, members of the political cast to cast it in very, you know, black and white colors of you're mm -hmm. this or you're that, yes or no. Yeah. And most of us are not so far apart anyway. <laughs> and, and you have to look right. at it. You have to look at it in this perspective. In order for them to get anything passed, they have to fight with each other in front of us and they high five each other in the back room. Huh. They all go to the same smoke okay. shop, coffee shop, liquor shop, everything. <laughs> they work together on keeping us apart. All we need is common sense politics. Yep. That's it. But they want to put and insert their own beliefs. They want to insert what they feel we need instead of asking us what we need. Really? So, yeah. I mean, all of us, all of us have the same thoughts and the same beliefs uh, as far as people who wants to move the country forward. But it's people that don't want the country move forward because, for one, John, Mississippi. Poverty is a business, so they want to keep you in poverty. If I had a, 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 a organization that helped homeless people, and that's my livelihood because there's no mm -hmm. business that's there, what right. I have to do is keep you homeless, not give you a home, but keep you homeless because if I give you a home, I won't be able to keep mine. Absolutely agree 100%. Yeah. Mm. How about that? Well, So I'm done. <laughs> Since you went there, and uh, I'm only going to indulge you all for a couple more minutes, and I'm probably risking that by asking this question, <laughs> because just as an example of that, um, the reason why the parties are so far apart is another reason why, transparent again, I'm independent. You know, I, I can't support either side uh, throughout the year, and of course, when election season comes, you know, I have to pick. You know, that that's just how it is. Okay, so. When there's an issue such as uh, abortion, which is always a hot button issue, right? And, and John, I know, you know, from, from the Republican side who are staunchly conservative, they have some very strong feelings about uh, women who um, make that choice to take the baby's life. And on the other side, uh, it should be up to the woman. And then where is the message in the middle? And uh, as an example, to this, I don't know if we can <laughs> kind of summarize on a unifying message as this. Uh, you know, I'm going to try to anyway. When President 44 Obama was talking about doing something about unwanted pregnancies, 
I appreciated that in that it did something to sort of neutralize the argument on both sides because he was trying to thread a needle and create something where both sides could agree upon. I don't know why, I don't know how well he did that, but it, I'll say it did resonate with me as an attempt to sort of take the, the, the polar opposite nature of the discussion off the table in favor of creating- Well, the number of abortions last year in the U.S. declined. So maybe it did work to some degree. Yeah. Can you say that again? Number of abortions in the United States last year, 2019, declined. So maybe it did resonate to some degree. Did it resonate with you as a Republican? Uh, anything. I am very, very anti-abortion. Um, uh, only in the the case where the mother's life is at stake. Well. Then you simply have to choose. You've got two lives, and you can't face both necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's a tough choice, and I'm glad I'll never have to make that choice. Absolutely. But uh, but yeah. So anything that that helps decrease uh, the number of abortions, I'm all for that. We have uh, adoptions in my family. Uh, my sister has adopted two two children uh, into her family. So you know, we certainly view that as a very viable alternative. But again, not everybody agrees with that. I think the problem with abortion is it's it's like being pregnant. You either you are or you aren't. You know, you're either or again, it's hard to find middle ground on that particular issue. However, on virtually every other issue, there's lots of middle ground. You know, you, you, we were talking about teachers a few minutes ago and and education funding. There is tons of middle ground across uh, that issue, across healthcare. You know, I think Arthur was talking about the uh, veterans care and things like that. There's lots of middle ground in most issues. Most are not real black and white. Well, what about gun control or gun rights? There's tons of middle ground there as well. Lots. Uh, If you look at surveys, most Republicans uh, or people that identify as Republicans support some gun control. uh, And most Democrats don't support taking all guns away. Correct. So, Absolutely. you know, it, there's a huge amount of middle ground and they're just fighting and butting heads about what that middle ground will be. Where do they where does the mark end as far? And, you know, it, just because it's going to be whatever it is today, it uh, doesn't mean it'll be that way, you know, two years, four years, 20 years from now. Things change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would love to invite y'all back again. Uh, this has been, like I said, a few minutes ago, uh, very enriching for me. And I hope it's been the same for the three of you. Um, we do this every so often. I'll be back again to do another Dizzy Aggie Nation when uh, Illinois, Ohio, and Florida vote. Uh, and uh, at some point in the future, I'd love to have you all back. Would you all be interested in coming back and doing something like this again? Absolutely. I would love it, yeah. Okay, I really appreciate that. Well, uh, that's our show. That's uh, John from Mississippi. We have Arthur <laughs> from Flint. See, I introduced him first this time. Oh, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> that's a well-deserved honor. Arthur's the man. <laughs> oh, Arthur, no, no, no. Arthur, we all like, man. We all just got to talk. We all just John is the man, too. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Because, you know, we, we have our thoughts about, you know, Trump supporters and 45. You know, I, I don't even like to say his name, to be honest with you. I have, uh, you know, I'm in my feelings about this current administration. And so I want us to get it right uh, in November. And I want people to have the right to vote. I want all votes to vote. I want fair elections. Fair elections. I don't want anybody's votes suppressed. And may the best man win. 
platform. And so All right. that's what I want. That's what I want. And I am going to uh, keep you in prayer down there that, um, you know, as a business owner, John, that uh, everything will work out for you down there. And uh, I am sympathetic with that. So um, we are united on that. So that's our program. Well, I appreciate that. But I, I worry more about Arthur. He's caring about those veterans and, and they do need our support. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, they do. So, uh, Arthur, I'm going to share something with you after we get off the line. We did a whole show on veterans. So, um, yeah, we, we are united on that issue as well. Well, this is Dizzy Adding okay. Nation, y'all. Psychotic Bump School's after-school program. Remember, Psychotic Bump School airs every Monday evening from 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. Pacific time. Check back with us. We shall return, and we'll check you out next time, y'all. Take care. All right. <laughs>